0: Canes fans, welcome in to a Friday afternoon edition of Canes Insight Live. Coming off this nice win last night over Bethune-Cookman. Obviously, we did the it's, it's show last show. week <laughs> after the Texas A&M win, but had to put something out today for you guys. More importantly, for the bank, because that's what everyone's been waiting on. The uh, You posted your update on the website, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later in this show, but I think we definitely have to talk about the win last night. Uh, that's what recruiting's for to get these to get these wins. So uh, definitely have to get into that a little bit. But the Canes take care take of business 48 to seven
1: against bethune Cookman. Yeah, you know, we would have cut this last night, but when I got home from the game, you were asleep, passed out, you know, you had a tough busy day of playing golf and well you know, thinking about Liv, Saudis and all that
0: you did say you'd be home and then you didn't text me. So I, you know, I think there might've been a little bit of, a little bit of blame on both of us there. I was, I was up until yeah. I fell asleep.
1: Yeah, oh, until <laughs> you fell asleep, a hard day. You know, I come home at 11 something o'clock, watch the replay of the game. Then I had to give my wife a nice foot massage cause she had a hard day at work. Go to sleep at one. I'm up at five, working out, coming to work while you're still, you know, chilling, watching TV. And uh, I got rained on. I'm soaked right now. Came out to get lunch and I got, got rained on. And here we are in the office delivering the bank and Kane's insight to the people because uh, that's what we're about. We're about pushing through and persevering. Like Mario says, it's, it's work. You know, it's got to keep on working. So that's what we do. So
0: obviously quarterback position will go, you know, quick position by position here um, in terms of, you know, we, we, we were looking for a lot of things here going into this game, as we talked about on the live on Wednesday night. Uh, but for me, TVD, I mean, he just looks sharp. Um, obviously, it was, again, it's Bethune-Cookman. He has all the time in the world to throw. The receivers are, are open. But this has not always happened against teams, you know, at, at that level where things are just firing on all cylinders at the quarterback
1: position. Yeah, he scored every single drive except for Colby Young fumbling right there on the goal line with the first team. Really, the only thing you could say negative about the first team is that Colby Young had a tough game. Drop, uh, fumble, had a first down that he probably could have cut a field a little earlier for memory Williams. Um, but other than that, first team was pretty sharp, certainly on offense. And that's not always been the case. And Bethune's not a good team, not even by FCS standards. But it was a clean performance by the first team. Most importantly, nobody got hurt is the main thing. And then second uh, second half, uh, we got to see some young players who, who had some inconsistencies. But overall, you get through it. You don't get hurt. Your first team looks good and sharp. TVD continues to play excellent football. Big test for him going on the road. Obviously, not the best opponent, but Temple's a legitimate, you know, FBS opponent. We'll see what he does there. But it was interesting to see – the quarterback rotation, and I'm sure we'll get into that now.
0: And, and, you know, you just led me right into it. Emery Williams, 9 for 11 on the night and looked, looked pretty darn good, looked about as he's been described by you uh, from the, the practice reports and those of us who have seen him in the scrimmages as well. It's the real command of things out there.
1: Yeah, and the size. I think you know we talked about it on the podcast, but I don't think people who hadn't seen him up close had seen his size. This is a big kid, big legs, about six four, almost six five. Has a physical presence out there. We've compared him on the podcast to Brad Kaya. Um, similar heavy legged style, not the biggest runners, but can navigate the pocket. Great command, great awareness, throw a good ball, very mechanically sound, well coached uh, even as a young age. One thing I will say different than Emery and Kaya, I think Kaya might have had a little more touch on his deep ball, but Emery has a stronger arm. You know, just seeing it in a person in the same stadium and remembering how Kaya threw it, I thought Kaya had a good arm. Emery really has a strong arm. You saw it on some of those throws. He can drive it. Uh, he really throws it um, on a line when he wants to. And he's still growing, still getting into his body with that physicality. So that was something that, that impressed you about Emery. I heard his his game with WQAM the first thing he said was I learned that this is not practice and I need to play with more urgency. I need to get rid of it quicker. There, it you know, practice, you're not getting hit. Now he's had those valuable game reps, which he'll learn from to see, you got to speed up the clock, got to get rid of it. And he's a smart guy. He'll know where to go with it.
0: Now at the running back spot, it was Henry Parrish it was Henry Parrish, seven carries for 52 yards. But you got a glimpse of a couple of these other guys with Mark Fletcher out as well. Don Chaney showing that he's healthy and ready to go. Uh, It should be an awesome piece to this backfield as the season progresses. A.J. Allen gets in the end zone twice, and you see some of his quicks, his ability to make uh, people miss um, as well. So I think those two, and then Chris Johnson, obviously the freshman, shows his speed off on that touchdown run. Uh, so you got five deep there at that that spot.
1: Yeah, and before we get into the the running backs on the quarterback front, we talked about it on the pregame podcast. Is Jakari Brown going to end up playing in the game? And we speculated that he might not, because Emory is the backup for T V D, right? The offense that's built around TVD is also more suited for Emory. With Jakari, he wants to redshirt. So him playing in a game like this, he's not, he's the third string quarterback. It doesn't help him in terms of playing his four games. Allowing him to miss this game, he preserves that those four games for potentially coming into a Clemson or to an FSU game and being used as a you know gimmick package quarterback to help you win those games since he is not the backup to TVD, at least the second string backup.
0: Definitely. No, I, I think that it's, it's a smart move. You can give him mean, meaningful snaps in, in some of these other games. No reason to burn it in, in the Bethune game. Yeah,
1: and um, and, and, and he wants to redshirt. So it's not like, you know, it's Jakar about to jump in the portal right now. He's, he's wanted to redshirt. Uh, you said right? that so since summertime. Yeah, Dawson's yeah. talked about it. So um, could have used the reps, sure. But with the four games, you want to make decisions. And I think it's an indicator that we might see him down the road in a meaningful role that helps you win, win games this year.
0: Anything you want to add to the running back
1: uh, room off what I said? Yeah, I'll be Chris Johnson, right, the speed. Um By the way, thank you, Oregon Kane, uh, for, for the donation. I got to say, you know, some of you guys may have – uh, I've talked on the podcast, my family is actually from Oregon. They went from Cuba to, to Oregon, uh, Milwaukee, Oregon, right outside Portland. So shout out to the state of Oregon. I go there quite a bit. Um, his question, does Jakari transfer in the offseason If we bring in a quarterback to compete with TVD or with Emory, I'm sorry. you hard to predict, right? Uh, what's going to happen with a quarterback battle, one good game and, and someone gets hurt. The guy comes in and there's a whole new situation. So it's hard to predict, but obviously, you know, look at the NFL. Look at um, the guys getting drafted, the guys in the Heisman race. Most quarterbacks are transfers, even the ones that have a lot of success. So transfer is a reality. Who's going to transfer? It's hard to say. I mean, Jakari is a member of the Hurricanes, and I think he has a chance to help the Hurricanes win football games this year.
0: Running back room, um, Chris Johnson, as Chris Malone says here, lightning. I mean, you saw he still has some work to do in terms of between the tackles running, and and that's going to come with his body, you know, naturally filling out and putting on that right weight. But he could be a nice gadget player here and there as well.
1: Gadget, and he's a running back, too. I mean, he, he runs like a running back. He's not big. Like a running back, you saw some of the balance and physicality, maybe not stacking up. Certainly, as you get bigger in your opponents, he's going to have some trouble there. But his movement is like a running back. And what I'm intrigued to see, obviously, you saw the, the shake and bake on his touchdown run. You saw the speed. He looks a lot like the other Chris Johnson. No relation, which I can't believe because they look identical on the field. Same size, same speed. Both Florida guys, they had similar track times coming out. Chris Johnson, actually a little faster, the one we have. Um and I'm talking about Chris Johnson and uh, Titans as a comparison. With him, I kind of want to see him against the first or with the first team offensive line because if he gets a clean runway, who knows what he can do as far as breaking long runs. You saw a lot of traffic when he was in the game because it was a second team offensive line. You had some, you know, some just lack of chemistry, some spots were weak, and he got pressure. Or he got a um, traffic in the backfield, and he had to navigate. Even the touchdown was a broken tackle, a shake and bake, and a and a long run. I want to see what happens when he has a clear runway, like Reggie Bush used to get at USC. Because now he gets through the first level clean with a uh, you know Francis Mahogoa, uh, Ness Cooper clearing the way for him, Matt Lee. Now he's even he's leaving. So I could see him, based on what he showed today. He missed a lot of camp, which is why he was behind. He didn't come in spring, so he's playing from behind from a. a experience standpoint and a rep standpoint he could be somebody that he keeps working by the by the middle or end of the season he gets a chance and with that special speed that he has one of the fastest players to come out of florida in years track wise and on the field he could change games because if he could turn a 10-yard run that maybe a henry parish who i love turns into a 15-yard run and he turns that into a 50-yard touchdown That can change the game for you. That changes the scoreboard. So really intrigued to see what Chris Johnson does going forward.
0: And look, we've already seen Shannon Dawson has not been afraid to play multiple backs at the same time. So definitely something could be in the works if he continues to progress like this. And Cristobal said that he's been doing some good things in practice as well in the weeks leading up to this after he got banged up. So should not be a surprise
1: uh, to those of you who have been following that closely, the receiver spot. Well, real, real quick, real quick. One guy I want to mention, of course, you know, I got to mention Don Chaney from Belen Jesuit. Um, great game from him. And I got a text from somebody who actually played at Belen uh, back in back in my era, a long time ago. I went out to play Ivan League. Shout out to Chris Gates. Um, and he said, "Could this be another Gus Edwards?" Where Gus Edwards was an NFL back, size and speed and didn't necessarily have it all at Miami, had ups and downs, but ended up being an NFL back, actually reps UM in the pros and, and is proud of his background. UM background. I hope Chaney gets more production at Miami than Edwards did, but you can see the comparison where you look at this guy, even though he's coming in later in the game, you say, wow, man, this guy, he looks like an NFL back, size speed. He, you saw that nice jump cut in the hole. We've talked about his jump cut. This is a state champion, multiple-time state champion high jumper. He's got a lot of burst in that respect was able to jump from gap to gap and then explode. He finished with strength. He was dragging guys, high effort. So Chaney's a guy that's pushing for more playing time, had a great game, and has some tools that could play potentially even at the next level.
0: Definitely, 100%. And we've been saying that forever as long as he stays healthy, that he is a definite guy. Receiver spot, a little bit more rotation here in this game. But at the top, Xavier Estrepo, He's going to be putting up big
1: numbers all year long. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's got a chance to get, I think right now, he is on pace for about um, 1,200-something yards. I'm looking it up now. He's on pace for almost 1,200 yards. So he'll break Charleston Rambo's record on his current pace. Now, obviously, you're going to play better competition. But – I mean, he hasn't even played that many quarters because there's been a couple blowouts. So this guy is producing at an extremely um, strong rate, He's breaking tackles after the catch. The guy is catching everything, making contested catches, uh, toe tapping. He's blocking like a madman. He's doing a lot, man. I'm extremely impressed with Restrepo. Um, you mentioned... And, you know, uh, by the way, uh, Danny Ramirez from uh, from Top Gun, big time actor in Hollywood, big time Canes fan. He's the one that actually mentioned, hey, is this guy going to break Rambo's record? And I looked up the numbers and he might. So shout out to him. Anyways, um, you know, you mentioned, Pete, that some scouts were talking about Restrepo potentially being a running back in the NFL yep. with how he's, how he's breaking tackles.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something that uh, at least one scout brought up to me. Obviously, you know how it is in the scouting world. And that they, they don't always share similar opinions. But how many times have we said he's built like a running back on this show, right? So the way he's playing, obviously, there's going to be some teams that see him as a wide receiver. But that just speaks to his skill set. And, man, he's a guy that I think a lot of fans have maybe downgraded um, because of – you know the the Braxton Barrios comparisons, and you know Braxton's gone on to have a great career of his own, right? But he's a guy who has real dynamic ability with the ball in his hands.
1: And I'm gonna say this: I was thinking about this yesterday. To me, at Miami, Restrepo is better than Barrios. In it took
0: Barrios opinion. three. It took him three seasons until that last year, right, to have that that breakout year.
1: So but he wasn't getting 120 yards and a half. I think you know, like this guy's really putting up numbers. So Barrios probably faster on a the clock. They both have really good hands, but after the catch, um, I think Restrepo's a lot better. Barrios a better punt returner for sure, much better returner. Barrios much smarter, just better returner. But in terms of receiver, Restrepo is playing at an extremely high level.
0: No smoke. When I say that, I mean I. I think Restrepo has been thought of as a possession receiver, and he's not that. Um, So uh, again, like I said, (laughs) Braxton's a pro who has had obviously an awesome career in the league. So I don't mean it as a slight to him, but they're different players.
1: Is what is really what I meant to say. Yeah, no, I'll take a Barrios anytime, and I'll take a Restrepo anytime. We talked, Pete. How many times have we said the same thing on this podcast? The receivers that have success in Miami, especially at the next level, are the workers. You saw KJ KJ Osborne catch a touchdown yesterday. Right, who was talking about KJ Osborne when we first got him? That's what we need. We need workers, and Restrepo's a worker. Colby Young is a worker. He'll come back to the lab after the mistakes he made. And Jacoby uh, George, who had, to, who had another solid game, was someone who was you know needed some needed to to take that next step in his preparation and his and his work ethic and everything else and the way he approached the game. He has, and you're starting to see the results. So, like those three, those three are money. The next. The guy up is going to be interesting. Ray Ray Joseph really hasn't broken out. Like maybe we thought still plenty of time for that. Robbie Washington, who you've been talking about, who you were able to see a lot last year. uh, He looked explosive. It was nice to see him get in the action.
0: Definitely. Tyler Harrell got into the mix as well. And I think he's another guy that as the season progresses, it's not to say that they're holding him back, right? It's not to say that they're hiding him for the, the big games ahead, but it just goes to show you the depth of certain spots on this team. There's still a lot of room to grow, right, in terms of talent acquisition, which we are going to get into. For those of you joining the show, we are going to be getting into the bank updates. Um, but you're you're very deep, and you have some very specific roles for certain guys. So I think Harold moving forward is is going to be a, a big part of this offense.
1: Yeah, and that's yeah. just one. Right, right. He'll have one game where he. Gets the seven-yard touchdown, and May has another big play, or, or really scares the defense, and the running game blows up. He's going to make an impact on a game where I think he changes the game. So the Tyler Harrell game is coming. I'm I'm confident about that. We just haven't seen it yet. And Richard, uh, by the way, get, shout out to everyone yeah. in the comments, Rashard uh, Smith deserves a lot of credit he was very confident on a kickoff return at the end he almost housed in spectacular fashion getting more confident there and uh, also doing some things at receiver
0: and i just wanted to pull up this comment here by arabian knight saying you know kevin beard having a big impact on that receiver room listen sometimes it's it's easy to credit position coaches for failures or success but this group is not much different than it was last year obviously the offensive coordinator plays a big role in that but 100% to me Kevin Beard deserves praise for what we've seen through the first three games here at that spot
1: absolutely well I got before we move I got a wrestling question from uh from heel 919 do we think LA Knight is the one to the throne Roman Reigns listen the rock was talking today to Pat McAfee about potentially coming back uh at, at mania so could it be you know Roman Reigns went to Georgia Tech uh, had Sack Kyle right back in the day. I could see The Rock getting that W back. That was a horrible loss to Georgia Tech that year. If you recall, if you remember that one, Pete, you were pretty young. Yeah, I the, do. I yeah, Roman Reigns. That was the, Thanksgiving
0: weekend, I want to say.
1: Yeah. So Roman Reigns, the current WWE champion, he was on the field for that Sack Kyle right a couple times. I, I like I like uh, I like The Rock, the return of WrestleMania, right that wrong for the Hurricanes and win the championship. So there's a there's, a, there's an extra one for you right there.
0: Uh, Reggie Ball was the quarterback, if I, if I remember correctly. So looking at, we got two more positions here on the offensive side of the ball. Tight end, we'll, we'll start there before we go on to our, everyone's favorite uh, position group right now, which is the offensive line. Uh, tight end room, Cam McCormick has been the guy. And you know, still, it looks like he, he will be until an Elijah Royal gets fully back healthy. But Jaleel Skinner. Uh, with some playing time, Riley Williams as well. Um, So
1: what'd you see from that group? Not much. You know, Cam McCormick does his thing, happy with him. I think he has an extra year of eligibility uh, out of Bend, Oregon. So that'll be interesting to see uh, him because he's really helping us. Arroyo everybody wants him to play uh, hamstring. You don't want to take him too early and then you lose them they're being very careful with him obviously we haven't needed him uh the receivers are doing their thing and mccormick as a blocker um riley williams almost had a touchdown from emory that would have been spectacular uh, just missed it similar to the touchdown that he had in the spring game also made some nice blocks played with the first team a lot to me riley williams and i'm including arroyo in this and i love arroyo love arroyo but riley williams is the guy as far as talent the the. The most talented guy in that room. The guy that you could see in the NFL um, as the of those premier guys. Size, he can block. He's coordinated. He's fast. He can run after the catch. Um, really, really excited to see Riley Williams continue to progress. Disappointed to Skinner. Hasn't progressed with, as much as he needs to. We'll see if he can make a splash play to get back in the mix. But the name I'm watching at tight end is number 88, Riley Williams. And if he caught – it was a little overthrown by Emery. He just missed, you know, just missed it. But that would have been just a, a tick better pass. Um, we'd we'll be talking about Riley Williams making a spectacular touchdown.
0: Carl, I don't think anyone's hating on McCormick after these first uh, three games here. I think that maybe a, a lot of people just didn't think that Miami was getting much with him and just expected him to be just another guy. But what he's brought to this offense, especially you saw, you know in that Texas A and M game, is invaluable. With his, you know, he's an extra offensive lineman, essentially, when he's when he's in the blocking game. So that's it's it's his mentality has brought a lot, I think, to that
1: to that locker room. Oh, yeah. So he's, uh, he's playing great.
0: Offensive line got a chance to see a lot of these young guys rotate in D that everyone's excited about. Right. So what stood out to you there? Obviously, this is a, a defensive line that they should handle. So,
1: yeah, the first team, we know what they can do. Mc- Matthew McCoy played left guard with the first team a little bit, uh, spelling JV on Cohen. Nothing to do with Cohen other than probably just getting some rest. But McCoy looked really good with the first team. So, you get the sense that he might be the first man up if someone were to get hurt there. Um, he really looked good at guard. We've seen him at tackle. He looked good at tackle later in the game. Made a great block on, on I want to say, on Chris Johnson's touchdown run. Um Really looked good at both positions. Matthew McCoy. Continue to think of him as a great player, a great player in waiting. You know the the second team guards I thought struggled a little bit. You saw Logan Sagapolo getting beefed for a sack right off the snap, basically against Emory. Uh, that Emory Williams went down on, and um, you know Ryan Rodriguez. Seeing this game again, seeing uh, Tommy Kinsler not play until the very very end, get very limited snaps. They wanted to get him in a tackle. Um, and he got in a tackle, but late because you had McCoy and Samson taking most of those snaps. I'd like to see more Kinsler at guard because he's a really talented player. You want him to get reps. You want to speed up his development. And yes, you don't want to maybe overload him by having developing as t- a tackle and developing in the guard at the same time, but he's got to play. You know, you got to see him on the field. And as Cooper had a similar role last year, where he was a guard and a tackle tackling camp played guard in the season because of injury and you saw his development ac- accelerate I'd like to see more Kinsler uh, at guard just to see him play more because um, he's a real talent and he didn't play enough yesterday in a game against Bethune Cookman.
0: What are your thoughts on this comment here by Daniel Venus?
1: About, uh, so Daniel Venus, for those not watching the YouTube and hearing this, he's saying that Matt Lee goes down. We're in trouble. You know, listen, if you're looking at the most valuable guys on the team, Matt Lee is on top in that top three, probably with T V D and kitchens. Um, But what I would say is Jalen Rivers is capable of stepping in at center. He's been practicing it. It's not ideal for your starting left tackle who's having an unbelievable season to move to center, but you have tackle depth. That might be McCoy. That might be uh, Sampson. You know, There's different ways you could do that, but at left tackle, and then have have Rivers as your center, which still keeps you with a very talented line. Unusual to have a center with Rivers' size, but he's flexible extremely smart and he can do a lot of things.
0: Defensive line wise now flipping over to the other side of the ball here. Thomas Gore gets into the mix, Jake Lichtenstein, seen, So, you know, starting to see some, some guys on the interior um, emerge as some solid rotational depth there. Jaden Wayne off the edge was someone who I thought was very impressive, you know, dro- dropping him into the flat there. And he made a nice play. Um, also in coverage. So what stood out to you about this group? Obviously was m- missing Branson Dean and Akeem Mesador with injuries. So go- going to need to continue to develop those guys uh, behind them.
1: Yeah, I uh, banged up, you know, been a some- somewhat disappointing unit, I think, to start the year. You um, expected that to be a strength of the team. I know the coaches did as well. Look at them last year. They, loved the- they were one of the top 10 teams in terms of sacks haven't been sacking the quarterback that much. It was nice to see Reuben Bain get his first sack. The soon got rid of it real quick, so you weren't going to get a ton of sacks in this game, but Reuben Bain got his first sack. Jaden Wayne, who you mentioned, had a nice uh, showing. Um, I, I watched the second team a lot in the third team just to see who's kind of next up, and the name has stood out to me was uh, Josh Horton. Man, he is huge. Yeah, we yeah. talked about it when I saw him in practice. I was like, look, this guy's bigger than I thought. I thought he was going to be like a tall, kind of skinny, athletic guy that grows into his body. But man, he's big already, and he's super athletic t- to go with it. Classic late bloomer. Um, if he looked like this last year, it would have been very, very difficult to get him out of North Carolina because he would have been had every you know, every school in the country coming after him. Miami was lucky to get him when they did on his break during his breakout year, as opposed to you know having like a David Stone type recruitment to try to get him. So he looked real good, real disruptive, um, and real big. Um, Cyrus Moss, want to see more from him. As far as, I don't see him playing with a ton of confidence. I saw him in spring and he was getting sacks. He was dropping it back into coverage, tackling people in space, doing a lot of nice things. Yeah, yesterday really did not look confident. Uh, that last touchdown just kind of got caught in no man's land, allowed they got to run in. So, you know, he needs to play, you know, he needs to play. A little, he wants to play more, right? He's frustrated with his role as any talented young player should be if they're not playing. But that's not the kind of performance that gets you more snaps. So hopefully he goes back into the lab and gets another opportunity because he does have a lot of talent. And, um, you know, you want to see him get another chance. But not, not a great day for him yesterday.
0: At linebacker, uh, moving back there, Kiko Maugou leads the team in tackles. But to me, man, Chase Smith, seeing him out there was awesome. A guy that gets asked about, you know, a lot on this show and you and I have always been very high on him. He looked way bigger out there. That was the, that was, and then he was, I mean, he was, he was moving. He was, especially on that, on that sack he had, right. Um, obviously still has to work himself back in there fully, but this was an awesome first step for
1: him. Yeah. I remember um, back in the old FRM studios when he got hurt, I got a call from UM right before the, Right before we recorded, and I heard that he is out for the year towards ACL. I remember being like depressed during the podcast. It was like a terrible podcast because um, I just, I, we both love Chase Smith and what he brings. Just the fluidity, explosiveness, just the athleticism at, 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 at his size and his, his length. Guy played receiver in high school, played some defensive back as well. So seeing him come back, look look real big. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's, he's been working in the weight room. So, you know, he didn't lose weight, he gained weight, and then very explosive on that sack. Happy for him to have that success. And you're excited. You know, I thought he might be more of a you'd bring him along real slow, but seeing him move around, I saw him drop it to coverage, get some nice depth, he might be somebody that helps you this season, certainly next season, but maybe this season with how he looks. So we'll see how he progresses. But it was very exciting to see him have some success. Um, as far as the young linebackers, it was good to see see them. Aguirre did some nice things. Popo Aguirre, Pulliam crushed the quarterback or, or, or one of the Bethune players on the sideline. Got real anted up. He looked huge. Um, Malik Bryant played some end and some linebacker. Uh, didn't look too sure of himself. Uh, you know, again, this is they have long careers ahead of them. But you know, he'll he'll need to play better in the future. He's done some nice things on special teams, but you know, maybe that transition of is he an edge? Is he a to, linebacker? Still working through that. Bobby Washington, who you've always talked about as a future stud, you know, he is so fast and so talented. And you really hope that he just stays locked in because his future is limitless.
0: Definitely. No, some some exciting young talents at that spot, which fans have been asking for for years. That's been a terribly recruited position in the last four or five years. And finally stocking it with not only guys who we're excited about for the future, but then obviously we know what what Hiko Maogoa, KJ Cloyd have done early on in their careers at Miami. So looks like a solid group moving forward for sure. Um, looking at defensive back, another spot where obviously with the Cam Kitchens injury, um, which everything looks like it's moving in the right direction there. And we should see him back out there in the next couple of weeks. But outside of that, a lot of rotation at that position.
1: Yeah. And it's, you you know, Jaden Davis continues to play. Well, you didn't see it. Those guys get challenged a lot because the quarterback was first guy got knocked out and they were just really dropping back and getting rid of it fast. What I found interesting was in the second half, you saw Devontae Brown, who again, we thought was going to be the starter coming out of camp. Janus Richard on the other side, who we thought was going to play a huge role and then Damari Brown as that star. So really your three biggest DBs, corners, were out there all at the same time. And all three of those guys have kind of gotten usurped by smaller players, Couch, um, Jaden Davis, and Daryl Porter. I think the versatility of those first three, as far as zone, man, off, press, that gave them a little bit of advantage versus the other guys who are more limited in what they do. But when you play in FSU, Keon Coleman and... uh, and what's the other big dude? Uh, uh,
0: Johnny Wilson.
1: Johnny Wilson. Yep. You want Devontae Brown, Damari Brown, Jadis Richard. So we'll see if those guys can get going during the season. Richard, I think, is still missing a little bit of confidence. You can just tell by his demeanor. He's just not – he's still unsure of himself. You can tell his body language on the sideline or on, on the field and the sideline. A couple plays where he had the opportunity to – he had great coverage, had the opportunity to knock away the ball, allow a catch. It was disappointing to see that interception that he had get called back because of an offsides on Damari because he were that would have really gotten going. It was a nice play by him. Hopefully he can build off that and have a good week next week. And Damari Brown, uh, you know that play where he blitzed and hit that running back. I thought the guy's head fell off. You know his helmet went about eight feet. I thought the guy got decapitated. So you know glad he's alive, but unbelievable hit by Damari.
0: Well, that's that's one of the things that coach Cristobal talks about with him is how physical he is, which if you can, I mean, if you can find physical corners, it's, it's a very, very tough thing to do uh, because a lot of those guys just aren't very willing to, to hit. And obviously Damari Brown is so D any other thoughts about the game before we move on to what everyone is, is waiting for here, which is your updates from the bank.
1: Let's check my notes here. I, I took the notes at the game while you were, uh, while you were sleeping. Um, you know, no, other than if you listen to the podcast, we said, don't bet on the Canes. Uh, you know, this is Cristobal's buddy. He's not going to run at the score. I think that was a pretty good, uh, you know, I think that was a pretty good call. But no, that man, let's, let's talk recruiting. Let me pull up your post here from
0: yesterday at Canes fans. A couple, couple things before we get into this. Number one. Great turnout last night at the Titanic. I know a lot of people, it was tough to make the game logistically. There also was a, a crazy uh, rainstorm that happened uh, pretty much right right when a lot of people were about to head up for the game, at least locally down, down south this way. Uh, but great turnout at Titanic. I know the Temple game coming up, I, I, there should be a really good turnout as well. Again, you can't beat dollar wings and dollar jumbo shrimp. So that's going to be the spot moving forward. Kane's Insight Watch Parties there. Um, but the you posted your update of the bank yesterday. And right off the top, it it wasn't said in the bank update, but Armando Blunt committed yesterday, defensive lineman out of central, huge, huge get five-star. Your number five player in his class I know there are some rumors he he could be looking to reclassify as well that's that's been out there what are you hearing about that recruitment you know how it kind of came down to him making his decision or his announcement yesterday and what sort of player is Miami getting in him
1: yeah so first of all like and subscribe to this podcast the Canes insight forums <clears throat> don't forget to sign up there. That's the most up-to-date recruiting news in the world. I posted the bank on there earlier. Six point four million posts and counting. Um, Seventeen thousand five hundred registered members and a ton more people lurking in the shadows. Sign up. You'll enjoy it. You'll be there all day. Um, and uh, it's really the place to be for recruiting information and to talk canes. With all that said, with Armando Blunt, you know, we had before I dropped the bank, I'd received a tip on Blunt that he would be committing at at five thirty. Wanted to give the kid his moment. You had the story ready. Um, he's somebody that was a state champion shot putter as a freshman in high school. I think at had 13 sacks as a freshman as well. Mm-hmm. Radar, A coach macho, uh, great defensive coordinator in the South Florida area, who is also a contributor, poster on the Canes Inside Forums. He's been talking about this kid since he was a puppy. So, you know, big-time player. Everybody knows about him. Top five in the country, 2025. May reclassify. I Heard he's got really good grades. A smart kid. Which, you know, big time D tackles that are smart. That's a, it's like a unicorn, right? Yeah, at least they're smart in the classroom. So, um, great to see that from from Blunt. Um, and he's a guy who can play, and he can play inside. Probably going to grow into an inside player, ultimately. Um, changes directions. Has a nose for the sack. And now he played at Dillard. Now he's a central. Um has that explosive power from the shot putting background, you know, he could tackle, you know, one thing I look at with defensive tackles is how do they actually tackle when they're, when they have the opportunity to make a tackle, are they just kind of, you know, wrestling and down and failing to, to bend, or are they able to bend their knees and explode into the tackle, show their athleticism? And this guy tackles like a linebacker, man. He's really, really athletic, really explosive and powerful and a big time player, big time defensive tackle, whether it's this year or next, um, you know, Leonard Taylor, right, was the big local defensive tackle that Miami got recently, and that was a huge event. This is another one with an Armando Blunt. Uh, should make an impact right away, either next year or the year after. And really excited about what this means for Miami. That 2025 class is seeing Miami win, and that's going to have a huge impact on their recruitment because they're going to go into their, you know, their recruiting year, their, their senior years with a lot of positive Miami vibes, assuming Miami continues his winning ways.
0: So getting into your update on the bank yesterday, right off the top here, you basically told Canes fans, look, if, if things keep happening on the field, the way that they're trending, right? There's still a lot of, a lot of football to be played left in the season, right? But the big three fish to monitor, Jeremiah Smith, Ellis Robinson, and David Stone are still very much in play for this recruiting class.
1: Yeah, by the way, Titanic next week, he's going to go through the deals all week, I'm sure. But I'll be there, the road game. So there's no excuses for that one. That's going to be a road game. Get to Titanic. I'll be there. ton of canes inside people are going to be there. Meet some of your fellow posters, friends, and uh, bring your friends. It's going to be awesome. A ton of deals. We'll be talking about it throughout the week. But that's going to be major. The Canes inside watch party for the Temple game road show at Titanic by UM. Uh, I will be there. So those three big fish you mentioned. Jeremiah Smith, I've been saying all year. If we play good on offense, I think he's going to be a cane. Shannon Dawson, coach's cousin, Geno Smith. Geno Smith tweeted about Shannon Dawson, how great he was right when he got hired. He's a big advocate of his. Now you're seeing that turn into an offense that scores a lot of touchdowns. Hopefully that continues. Proof of concept. That's going to resonate with a guy like Jeremiah Smith. Jeremiah Smith's a Canes fan. He goes to games. He watches games. He tweets during games. You know, someone who watches that debacle last year is a Canes fan because there's no other reason to watch those games last year, and he did that, Jeremiah. So he he likes the program, loves the Canes. Um, the fact the Shannon Dawson factor, the 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 affinity for the school, the fact that our offense looks better than Ohio State's, quite frankly, right now. And then, of course, his teammate JoJo Trader and um, Saquon Patterson committed to Miami. Some of his old Optimist teammates committed to Miami. I think we're going to get Jeremiah Smith. That's my opinion. I've been saying it from the beginning that if we, sco- we scored, I think we'll get him. I think we're going to continue to score, hopefully, and I think we will get him. That'll be a battle. Um, but he's got a chance to get a big NIL deal and a lot of other things helping Miami there. Ellis Robinson has been vocal. I want to see Miami win. He loves Miami. Obviously, Georgia is a defending national champion. Hard to turn him down. But he clearly has an affinity towards Miami. He visits a lot. He's close at, at IMG. He has teammates here. Um, th- Miami's doing what they need to do to flip a, a, an Ellis Robinson. Another David Stone, he was about to pick Miami that day and change it to the last second. So obviously, you know he is um, impressionable. So you hope to be on the right side of whatever seesaw he's on when he signs the paper. I think Miami's going to continue to push there.
0: So, yeah. Look, I mean, I, I thought the same thing when you said it. Deep, damn, D deep money—that's a bomb. And you know, that was the first time I think you've come out and said flat out that you believe Miami will land Jeremiah Smith. So, very, very—if not the biggest recruiting line to follow—the rest of the, the class. Then, it's, it's, really, it's right up there.
1: That's my prediction based on information. You know, the information I heard is Miami feels very good about where they're at with Jeremiah Smith. They're right where they need to be as far as on the field and off the field. Definitely. That's my prediction. Uh, by the way, I, shout out to 1804 uh, Hurricane. Met him and met him in the uh, in the elevator um, right before Blunt committed. And I said, hey, watch out, 530. And he said, Blunt. I said, let's see. But he was right. So uh, he had the right guess. 1804, Kane, shout out.
0: So you mentioned at the top here, The 2025 class is probably going to be the one that is helped significantly from what we're seeing on the field this year. Although, obviously, it's important for this current class, keeping guys committed and landing some of those big fish. But you had a bunch of names that you mentioned in the bank update if you want to just get into those.
1: Yeah, it's 2025, Let me go through the list.
0: Yeah, twenty twenty five. Starting with starting with Wade and Charles, who we haven't really spoken about his commitment, um, the wide receiver out of Palm Beach Central.
1: Right. And look, I'll be honest with you, twenty twenty five. I got to catch up on some of these guys. These are names that were given to me. Um, you know, three kids working the job. By the way, this is late Friday here. Uh, there's no one in the office, so if you see me in the office, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sneaking away. Uh, you know, it's been a long day of work. Anyways. Um, so I have not studied a lot of these names, but the names given to me in 2025, you mentioned Wade and Charles' commitment. I've heard great things about him um, in the offseason circuit. Duasso, ahead of Ross, talked about him being a really, really impressive player. He plays safety, plays receiver, projects as a receiver for Miami. Big-bodied kid, productive. Um, big-time commitment, and he's high up on Miami's board. They were eager to take his commitment. It was not a wishy-washy uh, situation: He's a big-time player, and he'll be highly rated as well. But some names that I, uh, you know, I received obviously Blunt. Will he be 24, 25? We'll see. DJ Pickett, safety out of Tampa. Zayden Walker, linebacker out of Ellaville, Georgia. Waltez Clark, a running back out of Tampa. Joshua Moore, wide receiver out of West Broward. They love him. Uh, tight end Logan Brooken from Savannah, who was on campus not that long ago, or uh, I believe is at a game maybe, uh, but during the season. Vernell Brown, wide receiver from Orlando. And Bryce Fitzgerald, defensive back from Columbus, Blen transfer. Um, I want to oh. hold him against that. He's a very talented player. Um, you know, not, not everybody you know can cut it um, in the big leagues, but uh, he's certainly a talented player. And he, he was smart enough to get into Blen at one point, so you know he's got he's got an IQ. Um, but uh, you know, not everybody can not everybody can handle it. Uh, so anyway, he had to go. He had to go.
0: He had to go win some state titles. He had to come to the winning side.
1: Hey, listen, no, he's it's a Columbus great program, and uh, and he's a player. And look, there's a connection there, obviously, with Columbus between the staff and the school, Highsmith, Smith, Crystal Ball, Miraball. That's been well documented. So that's that will help there. Uh, one other player I want to mention. I heard that Blunt, Armando Blunt, uh, had been communicating and kind of developing a friendship with David Sanders, the offensive tackle out of Charlotte, number one player in the country. You see that a lot with the top players. They all kind of know each other. It's become like basketball, where the number one players all know each other. Amado Blunt, the number one defensive lineman, number one Florida player. uh, David Sanders, number one overall player, number one lineman. So get get some work in there. Um, Miami's landed these elite offensive linemen before. They landed two with Samson and Francis last year. So um, I wouldn't count them out with that kind of recruitment. Still early, obviously. But you win on the field, uh, you give yourself a chance to go after those kind of kids. but that 2025, those would be the uh, those are some names to watch. If so, if you want to just get started on your 2025 recruiting um, you know, and, and piss off your, your wife or girlfriend, um, you know, check those names out in a huddle because uh, Miami has, has interest in all those guys. So
0: moving back to the 24 class, NICAR, a name that you brought up a couple of weeks ago on the website and also on the live show as well. Looks like, and this is a Georgia commit at wide receiver out of Moultrie, Georgia. Looks like the Canes are making a strong push there, according to what you said.
1: Yeah, and we, you know, we mentioned it. I want to say on the podcast, certainly we mentioned it on the CanesInsight.com forums. Remember to sign up a couple weeks ago, and then recently, I think it was reported by Two Four Seven, uh, Gabby. They go guys do a great job over there. That he was going to take a visit to Miami. He was in the process of setting that up. So excited to see him. Again, when I initially posted and, and brought his name up, I had heard that we have tremendous amount of interest in him. His his senior clips, you haven't seen him to start the year, are absolutely mind-boggling. This guy's putting up huge numbers, super fast and athletic wide receiver. Out of Georgia, Miami has high value on him. Obviously, they're still after the Jeremiah Smith, JoJo Trader is committed. Chance Robinson committed. But a guy like Carr... You know, Miami should be like Ohio State. It should be like LSU with Burrow. They should be like Alabama when they had Waddle and Devontae Smith. Miami should have these multiple stud receivers. They're really the inventors of that, right, when they had Santana Moss, Reggie Wayne, and Andre Johnson on, on the same roster. So it's not like, hey, you ha- you're had you going after a Jeremiah Smith or you're going after a JoJo Trader. Miami wants all of these guys, and they want a certain caliber of player, and, and Nike Carr is somebody that they've evaluated in that top, top tier. Oh, well, and Ryan Wingo is another name that
0: that you say is you know, the Canes are still in the mix for. Um, obviously, Chance Robinson's committed, JoJo Traders committed, Jeremiah Smith. We went through that one. Um, Jacory Barney, you you say that they're still pursuing him as well as UF commit Jeray Hawkins. There's questions about. We've had a few of them about LeWayne McCoy, but I mean. This group that they're going after right now it seems to be cream of the crop.
1: Yeah, it's Philly Mignon, which uh, Corey Barney, the quarterback has had some trouble getting him the ball. So he's been playing a lot of quarterback, but great athlete, great size. He's committed to Nebraska. Nebraska really did a good job getting on him early. But the truth is, Nebraska is a bad football team. Uh, you saw, you know, Coach Prime said it's personal, took him out, uh, took them out. So they could, t- they could have a really bad year potentially. And they've had some struggles before that. Uh, UF, where Jerry Hawkins is committed. Jerry Hawkins a speedster out of IMG. Some Jaden Wall comparisons with him. Um, UF is a bad football team as well. So as they struggle, Miami has some success throwing the ball. You can see Miami try to make a move on someone like him. He's had interest in the past. They want to add difference-making players. Chance Robinson, a tremendous all-around receiver, possession-type receiver. Red zone, great blocker. You saw a beautiful toe tap he did on, uh, in his game yesterday for St. Thomas Aquinas. It's just a total pro. He brings a certain skill set that you need on the field. Mm-hmm. JoJo Trader, you're a five-star player, super talented. But you need some, you need more dynamic players, and you want to, you want to be Alabama, LSU, LSU, Ohio State, multiple studs, and that's what they're trying to do here.
0: Yeah, I'm a big uh, I'm a big believer in Ja'Cory Barney. Uh, I believe the Palmetto quarterback has a pretty bad shoulder I- issue right now that he's dealing with. So I that that's probably part of the issue. So I wouldn't like you said freak out about stats, but uh, he's a guy that kind of leads me into the next point that you made, and I thought was very interesting from from the bank was how this staff is really making sure that they take into account what happens these guys senior year. The recruiting process has been accelerated so much these last four, five, six years, right? That a lot of times these guys, some of them peak early. Other guys are late bloomers, right? So can you get into that tidbit that you post a little bit about how important the senior film is for Miami moving forward now there's guys who are no doubt guys no matter what happens this season right but um that evaluation process is very important for them
1: yeah look I'm a big believer it's going back and studying guys that are maybe three stars or lowly recruited four stars that go to the first round and become these studs and you say why weren't these guys the five stars um you know once you see them make the first round a lot of them were late bloomers We mentioned Josh Horton earlier, who ended up being a four-star player, was a three-star player when he was committed to Miami. But now he looks like a five-star player just looking at him, size-wise and athleticism-wise, late bloomer. So a lot of guys that fly under the radar are, are, are guys who blow up as seniors. You don't want to miss those guys. That's number one. You don't want to keep a guy that you got committed that didn't develop and peaked early because then you bring him in and you can't use him. He's not what you thought. You don't want to have those guys stuck on your roster because you didn't continue the evaluation through their senior year. Um, And, you know, you want to identify who are the guys that are making those leaps, guys that might be committed to other programs that you say, okay, we like this guy. Now we love this guy. Um, That is part of what Miami is trying to do and and really make a function of their, or make a, um, you know, a, a standard part of their of their evaluation program is that senior year focus. But Xavier Lucas, cornerback out of American Heritage, I believe he's originally from uh, i say he's from Deerfield originally. This guy is six foot and a half, 185. You ran a 10 nine, so verified size and speed. Great senior year so far at American Heritage. That's a school that obviously produces a lot of Tremendous defensive backs. Two starters in the Kane secondary from American Heritage. The best corner in the league is American Heritage. So, you know, they're proven what they can do. He's there now getting good coaching. And he plays Jeremiah Smith this weekend. Chaminade, really today, I believe, right? Friday. So a couple hours he'll be playing those guys. Miami will be there at the game. So they'll be able to see not only the Chaminade guys, but they'll be able to scout Lucas in person, and he's committed to Nebraska right now, but just like we mentioned with Barney, Nebraska's pretty crappy, so um oh, sorry, is he Wisconsin. I believe he's actually Wisconsin commit, I apologize. Wisconsin, yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, well, Wisconsin's not looking too good either. So, <laughs> Wisconsin does have a history with uh, defensive backs from South Florida, shot Wild Goose, another big defensive back they ended up putting in the NFL, getting drafted um, out of Northwestern, but Miami can flip a guy from Wisconsin if they want him and they're going to evaluate him. Booker Pickett, a legacy out of Tampa, defensive end, someone doing really nice things on his senior film, playing in space a lot, It's kind of skinny defensive end, super productive, tons of tackles for loss and sacks. You worry about the size maybe, especially after Cyrus Moss not necessarily getting that weight, but he's someone that can play in space, has, size and, or has speed and athleticism, so they like what they see from him.
0: Two guys at the offensive line spot as the Canes continue to try to stack chips there. Ascendre Afua committed to Texas A&M. Eddie Pierre-Louis not committed anywhere, but I know his recruitment has, has been, um, you know, a tough, not a tough one, but he's he's entertaining the process, right? So um, it's not very cut and dry with him. But how are they looking with those guys?
1: Recruiting, up, you know, with Afua, Polynesian kids don't flip on their commitments as often as – you know, maybe let's we'll say South Florida kids, right? Um, where we're used to commitments flipping all the time. Those kids are usually pretty solid. Um, but who, who knows what's going to happen with Texas AM? It's Miami dealt them a devastating loss. Jimbo looks completely frazzled. Miami hit their quarterback a ton of times. So the offensive line coach might be under fire. Who knows what happens? And I think. The window for someone like him might be a coach getting fired or something like that that allows him to say, all right, I'm not being disloyal. I'm just new situation, and Miami can be right there. They still want him bad. Uh, Eddie Pierre-Louis from Tampa, he's someone that was going to go through the recruiting process. He likes being recruited. He views himself as a big-time player. That's how he's being recruited, so got to work that one, but he's uncommitted. Miami's playing well. Offensive line's developing. I can see them uh, continuing to go after him.
0: Markel Bell, I know this one caught some – People's attention in your update, six nine three forty. That's uh, that's quite the large man. He's a guy out of the JUCO ranks that looks like Miami has some interest in as well.
1: Yeah, number uh, number two JUCO in the country, I believe overall. Um, I think the pitch to him is very simple. Miami's offensive line is dominated with a lot of big guys. They're going to lose some starters. We'll develop you. We'll send you to the pros. Simple. It's like the way Ohio State's going to recruit has recruited the receivers. You'd like to see Miami turn into that on the offensive line. Um, This offensive line class doesn't have a ton of blue-chip high school kids. At least Miami's not in the mix for them, and there's not that many of them. So getting a a high uh, juco guy could fly right in, do maybe what Cohen did or Matt Lee did as a more experienced player coming in and having a big impact.
0: This is breaking up the recruiting talk real quick, D. But I think you and I have both said Dion.
1: <laughs> yeah, <Ray> <laughs> by the way, shout out to Arabian Knight. He's always commenting and uh, and supporting the pod. We appreciate you. He said, if you fire Jimbo, who you're replacing him with? Money is money. That's the problem with firing a guy like Jimbo with a huge buyout. But that's a to me that's Dion Sanders the Texas A&M. Yeah. That's what they need. They need yeah. a, a you know they went with the old option and they got the results that you know. Of a guy on the back nine, uh, Dion's obviously on the way up. Put him in the SEC. Give him something to prove. You know, no one's done it at Texas A and M, so he'd be the first. He's he's from Florida, but he obviously lived in Texas for many many years. Can recruit that area, coach there. So if I'm Dion, that Texas A and M job, obviously they're going to pay. If they fire Jimbo, they're throwing money around, so they pay for Dion. That's where I like Dion to go. Maybe I'm biased because I don't want him at, at FSU. I don't want him at UF. But I think Texas AM, that just makes a lot of sense to me. Texas is playing well, so you got to keep up with the Joneses. And uh, that seems like a fit to me.
0: T Love, because I think you said multiple starters, but I mean, I think Jalen Rivers, he could be gone after this year. Yeah, so Lee a
1: senior, but he's gone. Cohen, I don't think, was on a very long term plan.
0: But Cohen, yeah, Cohen Cohen will probably be gone after this year
1: as well. Right. And then Rivers, he's a four year player. Um, I'm sure he's graduated already. You know he's one of the smartest guys on the team, so he's having a great year. Like and he's had injuries too. So if you're Rivers and you have a healthy season of great football, which is, you know, knock on wood that he stays healthy and keeps playing great, um, I think Rivers can be a higher pick than people think. Man, you're an NFL. But you had you know Pete for those who don't know you had Titus Howard. Ended up being a first round pick. Just signed a big deal with Houston. Yeah. So you, you're you're not a rookie to this game. No, definitely
0: James. at guard. At guard more so than tackle. He's playing this role right now for the Canes. But Rivers has been intriguing to scouts for the last couple years. You know, like I always say, they they're they're only studying the upperclassmen and really the seniors unless they have an idea that a junior is going to come out for school. But every time they'd go into practice, Rivers was he wasn't with the best offensive line so he stood out above the rest but guard at the next level i mean i think he could be a top four round top four round
1: three four three four round guy yeah and then the intangibles he's in great shape i think he's gonna test better than people think he tested pretty good in high school um and he's gotten more athletic since then so you saw him on some of these long runs last week running down the field so uh and the versatility he's practicing center he's doing a great job at tackle I agree. He's a guard in the NFL. I think he could probably play t- uh, tackle if someone gets hurt. Maybe like he can be one of those guys that has some versatility, even in the pros. Certainly, he has that in college. Um, I'm a huge Jalen Rivers fan. I want him for for the Dolphins. You know, um, I'll take him on my team. If you're asking me about guys on the Canes that I want, a guy like Rivers that has such a great IQ and and is so good mentally. If he has a healthy season, I see him going pro. So yeah, three starters potentially out. Still got Samson, still got McCoy. You got guys kind of waiting in the wings. But a guy like Markel Bell, 6'9", 340, uh, he can come in and make an impact.
0: Getting back into the recruiting stuff here, Aiden Breland, Miami is in his top three, along with Georgia and Oregon. So this is going to be a heavyweight battle, but Canes are in the mix there.
1: Yeah, and I heard he, had, look, he loved Miami. He had a great visit back in the day when he – I think it was June when he came down. Um, really liked his visit. He's somebody that – you know, his premier defensive tackle. You know how those things go. They're circuses. You saw David Stone right down to the wire. Um, the interesting thing is talking to people, everybody assumes George is the favorite, and that's not a bad guess given that they're getting a lot of buzz and they're the best team in the country for a few years running. But I heard Oregon and Miami are really maybe the two places he wants to go and they're battling it out. Who knows? We'll see. California, um, a lot of mixed information coming out of there. But Miami thinks they're right in the mix. And Miami's really has their eye on Oregon in that battle.
0: Interesting. And that's going to be – I think there's going to be some Miami-Oregon battles um, that will continue to happen. And those will always be interesting ones, obviously, with – with Mario's pass there. A Darius Hayes at linebacker, Gator commit.
1: Kane's pursuing him, though, after losing Chris Cole. Yeah, and they were pursuing him anyways, so I don't want to make I, – I, I look at the way I phrased it. It makes it seem like they shifted to, to Darius Hayes after losing Chris Cole. No, Darius Hayes has been a priority Gator commit, maybe the best linebacker in the in the state, um, maybe the Southeast. I mean, this guy's a stud. Um, Miami wants him bad he's been on campus they had a couple you know clandestine visits that got uh, exposed later on he said he saw it to Florida but again Florida is going to keep losing games they might lose this weekend in Tennessee they're not a very good team this year so if Miami has the juice and they keep recruiting him like they do relentlessly you know ball does when they identify a target which Hayes is could see him being a major factor Chris Cole someone Miami wanted they were going to give a good deal to, so that's another factor. You know, Now Hayes is squarely in the sights, which he has been the whole time. They want him bad.
0: And we've had a couple questions here about, about these guys, but Mainland, Daytona Beach, a couple pretty high-priority guys there that the Canes are after.
1: Yeah, and look, um, Jason Taylor, Jamila Dai, reported by 247 are up there in Daytona Beach, double-teaming. Xavier Mincy, uh, with like a corner, and then L.J. McCray, who they think is one of the best players in the country at defensive line. To them, he's like a total five-star all day. Watch his senior film and find a better guy, right? We've compared him in the past to Leonard Williams, who committed to USC out of Daytona Beach. Same high school, same body. Defensive end who grew into a D-tackle. One of the best in the NFL. So that's a comparison and I think a realistic one. LJ McCray is a big, big time player. Put him up there with Breeland, put him up there with Stone, put him up there with Justin Scott, whoever. McCray's that caliber. And there's a reason why Jason Taylor's in uh, Daytona Beach. <laughs> so, you know, he's not there to, uh, you know, to, for, the, for a race or something like that. He's there for, for these big time recruits.
0: Interesting tidbit you had is that Elijah Lofton may not be the only commit at tight end in this class. They're still heavily after Devon Mitchell, who committed to Oklahoma
1: over the summer, and then Amir Jackson, um, Florida commit. Yeah, Amir Jackson, basketball player, super athlete, um, worked out for Miami this summer and was awesome. They love him. Been to Florida, same thing. Florida's not doing well, so you obviously you always cheer for Florida to to get destroyed, uh, whoever they play this season. It's even more of a priority because you want to steal some of their guys. They have a good class for a change, so you want to steal some of those guys. Amir Jackson, one of them. They'd love to see uh, Tennessee just really put it on Florida this weekend um, and then have a guy like Amir Jackson come loose. Miami's going to continue recruiting him and has been recruiting him consistently. Devon Mitchell, a tight end out of Los Angeles. Um, He's somebody that he uh, almost picked Miami, went to Oklahoma. It was a tight battle, very close to the end. So Miami's continuing to recruit him. And when it's a tight battle like that, that ends early, they're going to keep on pushing. He has teammates in Oklahoma, but again, Miami has flipped guys before and they're going to continue to try to flip him.
0: Guys, we, we've said it a couple of times. We're not going to speculate on the injuries of Mesidor and Dean. Um, it's just, there's, there's no reason in, in us doing that now. I know everyone wants to, wants to know but look those guys are out until we were told otherwise
1: yeah look it's just i you know i like to pride myself on being accurate and what i've missed big it's been on injuries because someone with that that should know what they're talking about tells me something definitively and something changes because they're not doctors things change it's just so hard with injuries there's so many rumors and the coaches don't want that stuff out there it just doesn't help so we just i'm going cold turkey on injury news uh i hate to do it that way but it's just it's the best way to do it, in my in my view. Yeah.
0: So a couple more things before we wrap up here, Zaquan Patterson. You've mentioned him a couple times here on the show. He's having an awesome year. You talked about how they're evaluating the senior film, and obviously he's a no doubt, no brainer guy. But the, what he's putting on tape is really special this season.
1: Yeah. He. Uh, they obviously they wanted him. You know they prioritized him. But. I don't think they knew how good he was. He is outstanding to start the year. I mean, he look at his film. He's he's not just getting, you know, sacks and big hits. He's literally taking the ball multiple times from ball carriers and going the other way for six. I mean, he is just a man amongst boys and playing good competition. James Williams, who I thought was you know, a five-star coming out just like everybody else. He looks better than James Williams did as a senior, and I and that, that's me giving James Williams all the props when he was coming out. So, he's a big time player, five star type talent, instant impact guy, and had a great offseason as well as far as seven on seven doing the athletic things that he that you do in that environment. Now, putting on the pads, and he's bullying guys, blitzing again, stealing the ball from people, doing things that you're not necessarily going to see in seven on seven, special teams, tackles, etc. So, he's doing both. Spectacular player. Uh, another safety to watch is uh, Red Morgan, uh, who FSU commit, flipped to Alabama. It's going to be hard to get him to flip again, but there's still communication there. and Miami loves the, the player. So I wouldn't ever uh, count Miami out with anybody.
0: Ben, to me, one of my favorite tidbits of this uh, update that you had wasn't really recruiting related, but it was part of the last recruiting class. Collins, a champong. Obviously, don't know if I'm saying it right. I think I'm saying it right. Um, But he's a guy there's been a lot of questions about physically. Everyone knew he was a special talent. But now that he's been cleared to go, what are the people inside the building saying about him?
1: Yeah, there are. I mean, the size was there. You could see his size from day one. He's a huge kid, basketball kid. Hasn't played a lot of football because of COVID, because of injury. But when he's played, he's been very productive out in California. Um, His movement skills at his size, now that he's healthy, are really impressing people. He's behind. He hasn't practiced. So, you know, he's going to be ready to play this season. It's hard enough for a true freshman D-lineman to play. Now he's got to get in shape and all those kind of things. So, this season, I don't know, but they think that he's a really, really, really talented athlete, and they haven't seen everything he can do because he's been hurt. So now he's healthy, he's moving around, change the direction, the speed, everything that he verified on his high school testing, because he was a very good tester at the high school level when they did the combines, um, he's putting that on tape now, as a, or he's putting that at least on the practice field um, at the University of Miami.
0: Then the last thing you had here, which I just want you to expand on it a bit if you can. You said Miami's always on the hunt for championship level edge players.
1: And don't be surprised if we expand our board there. Yeah, I just I think Miami, that's I've heard that they're just they're evaluating hard at that position. So again, seniors that are making a jump. Maybe someone knows a tight end is now a defensive end. See who's there. Um Maybe someone's commitment is a little shaky. They want to. They want big-time edge rushers, multiple sack guys, first-round picks. They want a Jalen Phillips type. So um, they're going to continue to recruit that position hard and evaluate it hard and and uh, you know push hard at that position in particular. Is one that I think you know T Love mentioned uh, in the comments. You already have Marquise Lightfoot, uh, S Rudolph. Yes, but they still want to uh, to add. So and they want big-time guys. Trevor, we'll
0: answer this question real quick as we kind of did allude to it. I should say D-Money alluded to Malik Bryant, a guy who's really transitioning from being a rush guy in high school. It's a completely different position. Um, so, I, yeah, he I would have expected
1: him to look tentative out there. Yeah, you said it. I mean, how he looked in practice, similar. I mean, you know, ups and downs. He's, he's transitioning. The good thing with Malik Bryant, he made a big special teams tackle last week against Texas A&M. Impactful impacted the game. I think that's going to be how he starts to get going. His special teams, playing hard, being physical, being fast, and then learning whether his role, whether it's situational edge, linebacker, both, that'll take time. In the meantime, master the role that you have, which right now is kickoff coverage um, and, uh, and other special teams.
0: Well, D, we had a bonus episode this afternoon. Went just over an hour here. We appreciate everyone getting on here. We've had 300-plus on here for a while. Next week, Temple. Again, Canes fans, the Titanic, Cross from Mark Light. That's the place to be for these Canes games. Canes Insight, official watch party at Titanic Restaurant and Brewery. Dollar Wings and Dollar Jumbo Shrimp at game time. Best deal in town, and D-Money will be there next week. And Canes handle business again against Bethune-Cookman. We will have our full slate of podcasts and live shows this week leading up to the Temple game. And excited to bring all that coverage to you. Appreciate the support, everybody. Go Canes. Go Canes.